as bright and finely edged as the light in a hopper painting. Through the haze of drugs, it seemed to her that the light was not falling over her wound or even infusing it from the inside, but radiating through it from another world. She thought she could live there and be happy. After the surgery, when she woke, her hand was encased in an odd little glove that immobilized her thumb but left her fingers free to open and close. Her neck was stiff and her lips were dry, and in her mouth she detected the iron and butter taste of blood. At first she thought she was making a sort of mental clerical error, mistaking the after-effects of thumb surgery for the after-effects of dental surgery, but when she swept her tongue over her teeth, she brushed up against a pad of cotton batting. She pushed it out onto her palm. A pale glow flickered from somewhere and then went out. She remembered her dream of light and consolation, the sensation of peace and abundance that had come over her, and a voice saying, This is really freaking me out. Is this freaking anyone else out? And a second voice saying, We have a job to do, Clayton. Nothing here changes that fact. And then the feeling of escape, as she stared into the operating lamp, and sleep pulled her under. She was thirsty now, but when she tried to sit up in bed, a boy in mocha-colored scrubs appeared by her side and said, Whoa there! You're still zonked out from the operation. What do you need? Let me get it for you. She asked for something to drink, and he took a bottle of Avion from the tray beside her bed, twisted the cap off, and brought it to her lips, his hand performing a slow genuflection in the air as he tipped the water out. She drained nearly the whole bottle without once pausing for breath. When she was finished, he nodded, a short upward snap of the chin, impressed. Is there anything else I can help you with? The doctor should be in to check on you soon. My mouth. I cut my thumb, just my thumb, but when I woke up, I found all this stuff in my mouth. She was still holding the square of spit-soaked gauze she had discovered. When she opened her fingers to show it to him, he made a nest of his two good hands beneath her broken one, so that she could dump it out. An image of her father came suddenly to mind. The sun was bright and the sky was clear, and he was kneeling beside a stream in a state park, making a nest of his own good hands to give her a sip of water, and she paused and frowned, staring into the tiny pool he had created transfixed by the way the light sent gray blooms of shadows gusting over his palms. And when she pointed it out to him, he laughed and called her his little impressionist. The orderly had taken her chart from the foot of the bed. Says here you bit down on your cheek during the operation. Normally that doesn't happen. Just sometimes if there's an anesthesia problem, you might wake up for a second and feel a little pain, and you'll have what they call a bite response. A B.R. That's what this stands for. Burr. Are you cold? I can turn the heat up if you want. No, I'm fine. Okey. That was how he pronounced it. I'll be back in to check on you in a little while. She had spoken to him for only a few minutes, and she felt so weak. And he was no one who loved her. And when she propped herself up on her elbows to watch him go, her head swam with a thousand colors. She spent a while studying her room, the television pinned by a metal arm to the ceiling, the window looking out on a stand of pine trees, 
the empty bed with its sheets in a dead calm. In the hallway, a man walked by wheeling an IV tower with a sack of clear fluid on one of its hooks, his stomach glimmering through his hospital gown. Then a woman stumbled past, carrying a flashlight in her left hand. By the time Carol Ann thought to wonder why she was pointing her light down a corridor that was already so clearly illuminated, the woman had slipped out of view. Her arms were trembling from supporting herself, so she lay back down again. The bed's side rails rattled as the mattress took her weight. The pillow rose up around her ears like bread. More and more she had the feeling that she was missing something. It must have been another hour before the doctor who had first inspected her thumb, Dr. All-That-Blood-of-Yours, Dr. Allstat, arrived and pulled a stool up to her bed. He sat down and asked her how she was feeling.